Under the Affordable Care Act, states can decide to expand their Medicaid programs to cover everyone with an income of up to 138% of the federal poverty level. Some states, though, have requested waivers to set lower income caps for Medicaid eligibility to save money and to push more people onto the insurance exchanges instead. The Obama administration refused to consider such waivers, but the Trump administration hasn't said whether it's going to allow these partial Medicaid expansions. And that includes a recent waiver request from Arkansas. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Nicholas Bagley, a professor of law at the University of Michigan Law School. Professor Bagley has co-authored a perspective article about the consequences of these partial Medicaid expansions. Professor Bagley, in your article, you described the request from Arkansas that wants to limit Medicaid eligibility to people with incomes of only up to 100% of the federal poverty level. What rationale did the state give for that request? Well, the reason behind a request like that is essentially to ask the federal government to put a greater fraction of the bill for the population between 100 and 138% of poverty. So for people who are covered by the Medicaid expansion, the federal government picks up 90% of the tab and the states pick up the other 10%. State budgets in a time of increasing Medicaid expenditures are cramped and states don't want to pick up that 10% if they can avoid it. For people within the 100 to 138% category, If you can get them off your state Medicaid rolls and put them onto the individual exchanges, those people can receive federal subsidies, pure federal subsidies, to purchase health plans on the exchanges. And that means those people won't cost state officials a dime. So moving people from the 100 to 138 population from Medicaid to the individual exchanges is a way for states to save money in a time of cramped budgets. So the public comment period for this Arkansas proposal closed just a couple of weeks ago. What's going to happen next? Right now, the waiver proposal is sitting with the Trump administration, and the Trump administration will have to make a difficult decision about whether to grant Arkansas's request. It's very difficult as a practical matter to agree to a particular waiver term with one state, but decline to offer that waiver term to other states. The Trump administration could approve the Arkansas waiver and say, well, this is really just for Arkansas, but you can imagine that other states might not be too happy with that explanation. So the real question for the Trump administration is not just whether to grant Arkansas's request, but whether to create a precedent that might invite other states to seek the same kind of partial expansion waiver. And it's one thing, again, Arkansas, if it were to do it on its own, it's a single state, it's a smallish state. You could run that experiment, but the precedent that the Trump administration risks setting could have enormous ramifications across the country. You say in your article that Arkansas already has a waiver that allows it to enroll Medicaid beneficiaries in its exchange plans, so that partial expansion in Arkansas would not necessarily have broad effects. Could the federal government approve the new waiver request, but for other states require that same sort of package? It could. I mean, you could imagine trying to cabin the precedent in any number of different ways. And I think the Trump administration will be tempted to try to do so, especially if it's concerned about the budgetary impact of granting a partial expansion to all 50 states. It's not totally clear to me that a line like that is tenable. And if the condition for getting a partial expansion is adopting something like the private option model for the Medicaid program that Arkansas has established, I think we would see states moving to adopt that kind of approach as well. So 
it's a difficult precedent to cap it. I'm not saying it's impossible, and certainly the Trump administration could try. So far, the Trump administration has been busy signaling that it is open for business when it comes to granting waivers. We will see if it rethinks that openness in the face of some of the waiver requests that it is likely to receive. Do you think that, assuming this does go forward and other states are interested, do you think those states are going to be states that initially chose not to expand Medicaid at all and will now do partial expansion? Or do you think that states that did expand Medicaid are going to look to roll back their coverage? The answer is certainly that states that have expanded Medicaid will look to or at least think about shifting that 100 to 138 population from Medicaid to the individual exchanges. That's a budgetary win for the states. It's probably a financial win for providers in those states. So especially states where there was at least some hand-wringing about whether to do the expansion in the first place, moving people from Medicaid to the individual insurance market may well be attractive. You ask a really interesting question, though. Is it possible that some of the no states might be tempted to expand if they knew they didn't need to pay for the 100 to 138 population? And there, I think we're in a world where it's difficult to know for sure because a whole lot of factors influence whether a state decides to expand its Medicaid program. And even if this partial expansion is unavailable, we might see states increasingly getting to yes on that question because, gosh, the federal government is covering 90% of the costs of the expansion population. That's an awful lot of federal money that your state is losing because it's chosen not to expand. Would sweetening the deal by allowing states to cover only up to 100% through Medicaid and allowing the rest of their population to go onto the exchanges help states get to yes? Maybe. It could overcome the political logjam, but it's really hard to say. Do you have any sense of how much money actually would be involved from the federal government if these partial expansions were to be approved and spread? I haven't seen any great estimates about the overall cost. I should say that the cost to the federal government will go up considerably because instead of paying for Medicaid, for 90% of Medicaid, which is relatively cheap as insurance goes, it's now going to be paying tax credits to buy individual insurance for people at the low end of the income spectrum. So federal spending would no doubt go up, probably by a considerable margin. State spending would go down, probably not by very much, but enough to make a difference in some states but not nearly enough to offset the increase in federal spending. Again, I haven't seen any hard estimates of it, and it depends a lot on how many states chose to take up the option of a partial expansion. So if you think about a state like California, which certainly is budget-strapped in many respects, but is seemingly able to manage at the moment with its current Medicaid program, you might think that California would be unlikely to seek a partial expansion because Actually, California officials think perhaps that California residents in the 100 to 138 population may prefer Medicaid. This is something that sometimes gets overlooked in policy debates, but it's not obvious that if you had a choice as a low-income person between Medicaid and an individual insurance plan, that you'd pick the individual insurance plan. And the reason is that Medicaid doesn't come with deductibles or cost sharing. And for a low-income person, those deductibles can make a big difference. On the exchanges, those deductibles can be very high, and although they're offset by the ACA's cost-sharing reductions, they're not entirely eliminated. So for a low-income person, they might prefer to stay on Medicaid, and the state might be willing to spend a little bit extra to keep those people on the Medicaid rolls instead of shifting them over to the individual insurance market. So given all of that, do you expect that if 
this partial expansion waiver is granted, that there will be a legal challenge to it? I think if any state gets a partial expansion, I think there is a decent chance that there will be a legal challenge. You'd have to find a plaintiff who claimed injury from the move, but I think that should be relatively straightforward. You find a plaintiff with an income between 100 and 138% of poverty who would be exposed to greater cost sharing in an individual exchange plan than on Medicaid. And you would then file suit under the Administrative Procedure Act saying that HHS's granting of the waiver was arbitrary and capricious, that it was essentially unreasonable or contrary to law. And I think those legal challenges would face an uphill battle. The Medicaid waiver provision in the Medicaid statute is very broad and affords the administrator, of the secretary of HHS, broad discretion to grant waivers. That doesn't mean that a legal challenge is impossible or that we won't see one. I just think it's a difficult legal claim to prevail upon. Finally, what about other proposals that states are making with regard to Medicaid introducing work requirements for Medicaid beneficiaries, introducing cost sharing. What effect would those kinds of changes have on state programs and enrollees? Right now, there are red states that are interested in both of those techniques. And I think the idea is that we don't want to be subsidizing people who should be out there working. As it happens, the available statistics that we have suggest that half of Medicaid enrollees are already working. Many of those Medicaid enrollees who aren't working are disabled or otherwise can't get jobs. So the work requirements would end up applying to a fairly small percentage of the population. But for that percentage of the population, they could effectively work as barriers to access to the Medicaid program. We have structural unemployment around 5%, give or take, in this country. So for people at the low end of the income spectrum who can't get work, their failure to get work will then be held against them in their efforts to secure Medicaid eligibility. The effect would be to trim the Medicaid rules in a way that may be more acceptable to people in red states. But I think most of the health policy experts who've looked at this think that at the end of the day, what you'd see is a fairly capricious result in that you'd see people kicked off the Medicaid rolls without necessarily adequate justification. That's the main concern. Thank you, Professor Bagley.